This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to Extra Point Take It, Shield Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak and producer Cliff Augustine on the Ringer NFL feed. It's Combine Week. That means a bunch of coaches, GMs in Indianapolis lying about what they think about their own players, other players, yes. rumors flying, uh, sports writers tweeting out there. What is it? The shrimp cocktails. You'll see a lot of those uh, on your feeds this week. Ben is in a hotel room at an undisclosed location in Indianapolis. Benny Souls, are you ready to kick off the start of the NFL offseason? I'm in downtown India. I'm in the Sheraton. Am I not supposed to say that? Is that bad? All right. I, I don't know. You might I'm not dropping the room number. Knocking, All right. They might be knocking on every door trying to find you. This is a popular show. Okay. I am so excited for the offseason. You are the king of like NFL offseason is better than the regular season. And I'm not fully there. But I will say like as a draft guy and as a yeller about general managers guy, off-season is, is is a good time. The best thing is, I don't know if you get this, Shield. I always get the question from just like all my in-real-life buddies. Like, oh, like, mm. Super Bowl's over. So I'm probably slowing down for you, isn't it? I'm like, new league years in three weeks, baby. Combine. I'm driving down to Indy. We ain't stopping for nothing. That's right. They just extended the Super Bowl, so the time period in between is shorter. But that's okay. We got we got a little time off last week. This is fun, like you said. It's the it's the off season. We get to talk about GMs, trades, moves, all those things. All right. We each offer three takes. We're keeping the format the same. Ben has the extra point taken uh, tonight, so he will get us started. What do you have, Benjamin, with your first take of the show this morning? The uh, uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. But it was Ab Rapport Shafter. No, it was Shafter Shoot. Three, two, one. This morning, Adam Shafter of ESPN tweets out uh, breaking, or I think it was developing. The Chicago Bears are listening to offers for the number one pick. They've been approached by multiple teams per sources. They are leaning towards moving the pick. This came out at 8 a.m. on Monday of Combine Week. My first take is this. This is the <laughs> most clear leak I have ever seen in my entire life of covering NFL football. Uh, the idea, there was, there was a follow-up report that they've had uh, multiple conversations with multiple teams about trading for the pick, which is great because it implies that before this tweet, we weren't sure if the Colts had called up Ryan Poles, the Bears general manager, been like, hey, so if we were to trade up for one, kind of what are, what are you interested in right here? So it's a bit of like a half-joking, you know, first take. This is the funniest leak ever. I just love how how it came out like on the dot 8 a.m. Eastern Monday of Combine Week. Very clearly a preamble, in my opinion, from the Bears to saying, hey, hit us up. Hey, you see anybody from Chicago and Indy this week? Say hi. Chat about your team a little bit. We'll chat quarterbacks. It's great. Uh, I think the Bears have always been leaning towards moving the number one pick. Ryan Poles came out in his 
a presser in the immediate wake of the NFL season and said we'd have to be blown away by a quarterback to take that guy and move on from Justin Fields. Deservedly so. Fields, far from a perfect player, far from a complete player, has the sort of peaks that you would really have to find, like a, a either a guy who's pro-ready right now or a guy with equally insane peaks to justify moving off of him. And and I didn't think there was that guy in this quarterback class back in, in January when the season ended for the Bears, and now we're here at the end of February. I've watched all the guys much more closely. I still feel that way, where this is a, a likable quarterback class, but there isn't a single guy uh, that I think stands up to what you've seen from Justin Fields over the first two years. People have talked about, oh, why don't they draft a quarterback and handle Justin Fields? It's like a whole separate Eagles-related Jalen Hurts conversation that we can get into. People have talked about, what if they trade Justin Fields and trade off of number one overall pick, just a career country capital. There's obviously a ton of options, but I think the, the the main road for the Bears was always going to be this road of keeping Justin Fields and moving off the number one pick. The second half of my first take, which will be less jokey, is that now that we're doing this whole, they're leaning towards moving the, the, the number one pick, the, ne- the necessary next question is, okay, who's it going to be? Right now, betting markets have put out like odds for who ends up making the first pick of the draft. Shockingly, the Texans right now are a slight favorite, the team at number two, which I find very surprising. But second, just below the Texans, as, as the near favorite, is the Indianapolis Colts. And I would say right now, if you made me pick this today, February 27th, or approaching Combine Week, which team makes the selection at one overall, it's the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, that's, that's my read off of the last month and a half, and I'll be interested to see what we hear the next week in, in here in Indy. I'm far from, like, ironclad on it, but awesome leak by Ryan Poles. Great job. Nobody knew that this pick was going to be traded. Thanks for letting us know. But secondly, I think at this point, I feel pretty confident saying, all right, if the Bears are moving off it, Indy is the team that just makes the most sense. Indy has been extremely clear that they're desperate for a rookie quarterback. Jim Ursa has made no bones about the fact that he's drafting a rookie quarterback. Uh, I think you'll see the Colts make the selection of one. I mean, why ever would you think it would be the Colts, Ben? It's almost as if the guy who has turned into the most unhinged owner in the NFL is literally talking about the quarterback he wants in press conferences. It's almost as if the guy who has turned into the most unhinged owner in the NFL is tweeting about his relationship with the Chicago Bears. It's almost as if the Colts have come out and said, we are going to build around a young quarterback. It's almost as if their GM is under intense pressure if he wants to keep his job to find a long-term solution at quarterback. And so, yes, they have not been very under the radar about it. They're at number four. So I guess part of it comes down to which guy do they like the most. But uh, I would think that they would be the favorite to get up there to the number one spot. Now, if you're the Texans and you really like one of these guys over the rest of them, then I guess, you know, you, you could potentially make that move. And then the other teams uh, or the other team we've had our eye on, we've, we've mentioned on the show before, is the Carolina Panthers. At number nine. And, uh, you know, we've talked about, hey, what are the Bears going to get? And we'll see. It all depends on what kind of market they get. To speak to your point, a lot of those conversations will happen this week in downtown Indianapolis. But, man, I I still feel like the Panthers are a team that should be very aggressive and really looking in to making that move. So so those are some of the teams in mind. mind, I mean, you could certainly – the Lions are a team that no one seems to talk about that much. But I think we spoke about like three months ago – We like where you're at, Lions, but this might be a spot to make a move and aggressively go up and get that guy and really set yourself up for the next 
three to five years. The Raiders, they don't have a quarterback at number seven. The Falcons, we don't know what they're going to do. At number eight, the Saints, as always, a complete wild... Oh, no, sorry. The Saints traded that pick uh, at 10 to the Eagles, which we know. But a lot of those teams, I mean, we had... What did I just mention? A handful of teams really in the top 10 in a spot where you could be... You're, you're within distance to make a move and make an aggressive move for a quarterback could get in there. So uh, I think the Bears are going to be in a fun spot, in a nice spot, and we will see what they what they end up doing. Any of those other teams catch your eye or no? I the the team that I keep coming back to as like I think the the Panthers are very wild cardy just because like they build a great staff. David Tepper tends to be super aggressive. That's there. I don't think the Lions track because to me the Lions are in the same place where Ryan Poles put the Bears. Like yeah, if we love a guy, we'll move for him. But they really don't have to. They should move on from Jared Goff, but they don't have to. They're not yet at have-to stage, right? They have enough, I think, slack there in terms of, you know, faith in the front office, faith in that coach, proof of concept, that they could go for another year. And Brad Holmes loves Jared Goff. When Brad Holmes talks about Jared Goff, angels sing, man. I mean, like, he loves this kid. So I don't think they have to move off of him. The team that I keep looking back to and trying to figure out what they're going to do is the Raiders. The Raiders are so weird. The Raiders very clearly need a veteran quarterback but like like they Devontae Adams Darren Waller Josh McDaniels like just put a veteran in plug and truck and go right whatever but the second best veteran quarterback on the market right now is the guy from whom the Raiders are moving on in Derek Carr and so unless you're landing Rodgers I would not put anywhere near the guaranteed category because it's Aaron Rodgers I don't know if you're going to be happy with what you find on the veteran market and if you feel like you need to go veteran, if you feel like, like I, the, I think the, there's been like, like sourcing has been reported that the Raiders want to go veteran. They want to get that, that established guy. You try to do that and you, you swing and you miss, you don't land Rogers car leaves like Garoppolo, you know, like I, I think Garoppolo to the Raiders makes sense, but let's say it doesn't happen, whatever. And you're left just like holding, you know, holding air, holding dust. I could see them tilting at like a huge trade. That wouldn't surprise me at all. They've, they've talked about trading Darren Waller before, Waller plus they plus, plus picks because remember the Devontae Adams trade was only picks in that draft. They have all the regular picks. Waller plus tra- plus plus picks can move you pretty substantially, in my opinion. So Raiders are the team that I'm always like, and I have no idea what you're going to do. So that's why I want to uh, see what happens for them in free agency. I don't think they know what they want to do. I mean, last offseason, they go into it acting like, you know, every move they make is to compete right away and not rebuild. And we saw how that went. And you mentioned it. Now you're giving up Derek Carr for nothing and hoping to find an upgrade. I mean, I I don't know. I wouldn't be that excited uh, about the direction there if I were a Raiders fan, but maybe they'll surprise me. All right. I'm pivoting off my my first take, Ben. I want to talk more about the topic you just mentioned, because the, the Justin Fields, the Bears, this this is the topic, uh, along with a couple others, that's really dominating. It feels like the headlines and the takes are firing from every direction. So my take is, let's stop acting like the Justin Fields decision is an easy one. I mean, I feel like both sides are way too aggressive in what they think the Chicago Bears should do here. And I am here to bring you a nice middle ground, a nice reason take, and I want to hear what you have to say about it. So mm-hmm. I would at least be listening. If I'm Ryan I love Poles, to fence it. Fence it is great. Let's fence it. Well, I'll, 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 I will tell you why. So you have to listen to offers 
for Justin Fields. I mean, to me, to go into this, you know, the way you kind of phrased it and be like, it's highly unlikely that the quarterback they get, and I'm putting words in your mouth, which you don't like, so tell me if this is incorrectly stated. Uh, you say you know, that as if uh, other people like having words put in their mouth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, like okay. when I paraphrase Yeah, yeah a, lot, a lot of podcasters, uh, big fan of, of having words put in their mouth, for sure, for sure. So you think it's unlikely that whoever the Bears draft if they were to go in a different direction at quarterback would give you the ceiling of Justin Fields. Is that correct? Or just that you think it's unlikely that they would be as good as Justin Fields? Cause I guess those are two yeah. different things. I don't think anybody gives you the ceiling that Fields does. Even Anthony Richardson out of Florida, who is the ceiling prospects. And I like him a lot. Uh, He's not dissimilar to Fields in his tackle-breaking ability behind line of scrimmage. He's not dissimilar to Fields in terms of his arm talent. But Fields was further along coming out of Ohio State than Richardson is coming out of Florida right now. And you say, okay, well, Richardson's younger and he's less experienced and you get a longer rookie contract. All right, sure. But you killed Justin Fields' development, right? You, or at least you, you drastically delayed it, I should say, by not having the correct environment to develop a rookie quarterback two years ago. Guess what you have right now? Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. Got Braxton Jones playing left tackle. Like you're in the same spot where, like, even if you want to go, oh, let's go get another project, you couldn't develop fields the last time, last project, and you don't have a better roster than you did. You're still suffering on the offensive side of the ball. So, like, I don't even think swinging for the project makes sense. And then in terms of, like, you know, I, I just don't think the ceiling on Young, the ceiling on Shroud, the ceiling on Levis, like, they're, they're, they're fine prospects. Fields has shown that he can do things at quarterback that, like, nobody's done. Nobody. Like, He's like doing stuff that we hadn't seen since Vic. And you're not getting that out of these other guys. As a runner, he's doing things that no one has done. Right. And you can add that qualification. But the reality is nobody cared. Like, I guess you still care. But like seven points, seven points. First down's first down, right? Like, Like he's moving the football. He's generating offense. Well, I would disagree to that uh, with that to a point because I think there's a question of did what Justin Fields do last year, is it sustainable? And I feel like the Justin Fields argument, everyone is sticking to their priors. I shouldn't say everyone. A lot of people are sticking to their priors and not kind of viewing what has he actually done in the NFL. And that's on both sides. And so I watched Justin Fields last year and thought he was one of the most exciting players uh, in the NFL. I loved watching him play. He had a terrible mm-hmm. supporting cast. He was exciting. Like you said, he was making plays with his legs. He was fantastic in that aspect of it. At the same time, I thought as a passer, there are a lot of questions with Justin Fields. You look at it, he had the highest percentage of turnover-worthy plays in the NFL. He had the highest sack rate of any quarterback in the last 20 years in the NFL. 14.7% of his dropbacks resulted in sacks. Again, I realize offensive line not good, wide receivers not good, not an ideal situation. At the same time, those are pretty alarming numbers. He fumbled 16 times. He threw an interception on over 3.5% of his pass attempts, which is you know a very high rate in the NFL in the year 2023. And so if you take away the scrambles, and again, I understand the scrambles are a part of it, and that's going to be a part of what Justin Fields does. So this is just for purpose of the exercise. I'm not saying he has to play without scrambling, but if you take away the scrambles and you look at Justin Fields last year, he would have ranked 33rd out of 33 quarterbacks in EPA per pass play and 33rd out of 33 quarterbacks in 
EPA success rate worse than Zach Wilson. So you're kind of dividing this. He had 70 plays where he scrambled. Those plays were amazing. I'm not saying he didn't make any plays as a passer, but the passing continues to be a concern, whether it's it's accuracy, decision-making, feel, instincts, all those things were a concern last year. So I think to really be sold on Justin Fields, you have to say, yes, the scramble is going to be a big part of it, but he's going to make like, uh, you know, maybe a bigger leap than even we saw Jalen Hurts from 21 to 22 make. And that was a different situation where he was surrounded by a lot mm-hmm. of good players. So I don't think this is like a home run in either direction. I would take all the calls. I would say, all right, what is my best offer? If I trade Justin Fields, what is my best offer? If I move down from number one in the draft and make a decision then, but I do not think this is a home run in either direction. Cause I do agree with you that the ceilings there, but the percentage that he reaches that ceiling, I have a lot of questions about. Yeah. I, I, so first I'll say this. I, I believe this really strongly. I, okay, so you know, Pryor's out in the open. I was a big Justin Fields fan coming out of college. Uh, I, I, I had him about as high as you'll see anybody have in that class, and I've been high on him ever since. I absolutely would be answering every single phone call seeing what people might trade me for him. Because, A, that's what I got to do. I have the number one overall pick. I got to do the work. Secondly, I think he's really good. And so I think I can get really good trade offers. Like I think I should be getting good value. Like, I should be getting really, really nice looks. I should be getting big trade packages. And the reason why that's important is because I agree that it's a difficult decision. It's a very difficult decision. There's a lot of different ways to go. It's not clear what the correct path forward is. On the other hand, it's a very clear decision. The The Bears' offense sucks. Like, the non-quarterback players are bad. David Montgomery is a free agent. Chase Claypool, they, they traded 32 for him. And he's not good. He couldn't, they couldn't integrate him. Darnell Mooney is a solid to average wide receiver three. This is a dreadful offensive roster. Accordingly, right now, the, the, the number one, like the bears can do the two most important things to their franchise simultaneously. Cause the number one, most important thing is getting the, the requisite supporting cast around Justin Fields such that you can figure out whether or not he can reach that ceiling so that you can figure out with with actual NFL caliber tools is this guy going to take the leap that we expect him to take as a passer so a get the stuff around him to do that and then b the second thing you need to do is create a good bedrock in the event that Fields doesn't reach that ceiling such that you can draft the young quarterback with a future very high pick and be ready to develop him. Give him the, the, the insulation. Give him the cocoon that you never gave Justin Fields. Make sure he actually has good wide receivers in the building. Make sure he actually has legitimate pass protection. So he doesn't have to scramble on such an absurd number of his dropbacks. So he isn't taking a high number of sacks because he's taking on a high number of pressures. He's running around, scrambling out there, trying to find a way to make offense work. At the same time, concurrently, the Bears can build a foundation for the future quarterback and also get some of the, the, the talent in place to see if Fields is that guy. Go out and sign Jacoby Myers. Go out and sign Tony Pollard. Go out and sign Saquon Barkley. Go out and sign, I don't know who the Frasian type, Caleb McGarry. Look at you with Caleb McGarry. Fill these cupboards. Whether it's Fields or another dude in 2023 and 2024, you, you'll at least be able to do an honest work. Because whatever your priors were on Justin Fields, you cannot look at the past two years of offensive football for the Chicago Bears and go, yeah, well, this guy's gotten a fair shake. Yeah, we've we've seen we've we've, we've he's, yeah, he's got what it, what it takes. This, we're ready to go. This is the, he should be NFL offense. They don't got real players, man. Dante Pettis, like what are we doing? So for me, uh, the Bears should very clearly be trading out of one. Uh, I don't mind them getting Will Anderson, Jalen Carter. I think those are blue chip players. But I would be 
hammering the offensive side of the ball in free agency and in the draft and just being ready for whatever comes at quarterback. And I know like it's been a, a grassroots push from like the analytics community that the bears go for two quarterbacks in this class, right? Like I, I keep saying like whoever the young quarterback is, Justin Fields or a different guy and the analytics community response is, well, let's get the different guy right now. You have one overall, go take Bryce young. And then you got two young quarterbacks in the building and you're twice as likely to get one of them to be good. And that looks, I, it looks great on a spreadsheet. That's really hard to do from a human perspective. I, I thought um, uh, uh, Mina Kimes and Greg Rosenthal on the Mina Kimes show did a wonderful job talking about this. That's really hard to do from a human perspective. And I don't know if the Bears are currently equipped to do that in terms of like their culture and their leadership. It's just it's it's a hard needle to thread. I don't know if they if they've got that in them. So to me, it's let's get wide receivers, let's get backs, let let let's make sure we have a real offense, and then let's check in on Fields and see if we trust him and see if we want to go for a different quarterback. Yeah, I do. I look at that idea and I do kind of like that idea and I, I understand it on paper. I think if you had a veteran coach, if you had more leadership in the building, it would be easier. I wouldn't kill him for doing that. If I mean, some team's going to do it one of these years and we're going to look at it and say, wow, that was really smart. It worked out. It's hard to find a quarterback. Uh, it's really hard to scout quarterbacks and they tried twice mm-hmm. and they got one and hey, they're set for a while here. So I wouldn't crush them if they did it. But uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying with Matt Eberflus and the state of that roster. Uh, that may, might be kind of tough right now. So I'm with you that they need to use, re- they need to acquire more resources and use those more re- resources to upgrade yeah. the roster one way or another. So we'll see which direction they go in. All right. What do you have for your second take? This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. NFL teams should be tripping over themselves to trade for Jalen Ramsey. Reports this week that uh, Rams cornerback Jalen Ramsey is likely to be traded. Uh, he's going to 
save about 5.6 million on the Rams cap if he is traded, which when you're the Rams, 5.6 million is a lot of money. <laughs> we we got to do what we can, maybe. Let's get let's get under this cap figure. Let's make room. And so, uh, rumors are that it's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Ramsey uh, is currently 28. He'll be turning 29 in October. So, again, up there, right? Feel, feel in the shadow of 30 a little bit. I can commiserate. I'm going to turn 26 in a month. Uh, so, it's again there, you know. But, oh, my God. Everybody yeah, just I, bombard... Uh, but I don't. I don't know. I'll come up with something later. Sorry. Continue. Uh, it's okay. I threw that at you just to, just to bother you. So he's 28, and he's coming off of what I think is probably his worst season in a few years. Uh, his worst season still garnered All Pro votes. I think he was still like a top five, top seven corner in terms of just this season of production. But he was guessing. He got caught peeking. He was making stuff up. The Rams played an absurd amount of zone coverage, right? Because that was kind of all they could really handle in terms of their total secondary. Uh, and Ramsey was just kind of trying to like make plays in the middle of that. Uh, all of that said, when you trade for Ramsey, you're getting functionally a one-year $17 million deal. Because his next two years, $18.5 million, $19.5 million cap hits, are both without much, if any, dead cap if he's cut. So you're basically getting a one-year $17 million rental. For a guy who was perennially a top five corner up until this season, at which point it is debatable playing on a absolutely toothless, feckless defense coming off of a Super Bowl hangover that was just leaving him in zone coverage and then opposing offenses were just ignoring him. You're getting a hyper competitive player who's absurdly athletic. And then critically at a position we know to be ludicrously volatile, like the great corners have great seasons and then they'll just like vanish for a week and then they'll just come back and, and they'll vanish for a year and then they'll just come back it is such a hard position to play with consistency right James Bradbury is the guy that I keep thinking of when I think of this Ramsey trade how like the Giants signed him to this huge deal he has a great first season and then the next year he's not that good and they go to clean house and like yeah we got to cut James Bradbury and the Eagles sign him he's over 30 he'll be corner two whatever and he was lights out for Philadelphia he got our all pro votes for himself right this is the sort of like this is a one-year rental on a truly elite corner at a position which elite corners are, are fewer and farther to come by. And there's no reason to believe Ramsey can't just bounce back to the new place, especially if he's motivated, if he's excited, and those competitive juices are flowing. A couple of teams to throw at you. Curious to hear who you like. Uh one which I love is the Detroit Lions. The number one thing that the Lions need to do in the Dan Campbell era, in my opinion, Jared Goff, foolishness notwithstanding, is to begin transitioning from like we're a bunch of scrappy, young, tryhards. Oh, here we go, Detroit. We can do it, baby. To, like, let's get some star power in the building. Detroit, like, time to button the top button. We're grown-ups. We're here to play. Jalen Ramsey's a sign. Lines are coming. That's, that's, that's a culture shift right there. Uh, Ramsey's got to be competitive. He's got he's to care. That's important for that building. But the Detroit Lions, I love. The Ravens are interesting. Uh Marcus Peters, corner two opposite Marlon Humphrey, is what I would charitably describe as a issue this year for the Ravens defense. Uh, they have a lot of cap space right now, 10th in the league. Obviously, they have something else that they're trying to handle right now with some of their money. Uh, and so I don't know if the Ravens are going to be able to retain that figure, but if they do, uh, uh, if they do find a, a little bit of room, a little bit of money in the couch cushions, Ramsey makes a ton of sense for how they play defense, and they desperately need a corner too. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, similar situation where Joe Wuzier went down, outside corner depth was tested. They have a ton of cap space right now. Joe Burrow looms as a big question mark, um, but outside corner would be a spot where uh, a huge upgrade, Jalen Ramsey over Cam Taylor Britton, Eli Apple. That's a big one. Last but not least, 
New England Patriots. And this is just me wanting to see Bill Belichick have an athlete like Jalen Ramsey. Remember when Brandon Staley put Jalen Ramsey in the slot and we all wrote pieces about it for like a month? We were like, this is the craziest thing we've ever seen. They got the big corner in the slot. This is nuts. Like, with the with how well Bill Belichick has historically leveraged his secondary players, with how good of a job he's done at, at using guys in the secondary as weapons, the idea of him getting a player like Jalen Ramsey who could just like play free safety tomorrow and be one of the five best in the league, to me, is thrilling. So... I think teams should be all over the Ramsey trade. One year, $17 million rental for Jalen Ramsey at 28, 29 years old. Sign me up. I love that. I think I'm going to get a top five corner season out of that. And those are some of the teams that I like. So uh, I also have a take on Ramsey, which we're on the same page here. So I'm going to hit you with mine in a second. Just to add to that, I mean, I do think the contract thing is worth monitoring. This was a guy who did... He drove to what Jaguars training camp with a Brinks truck uh, the one year, if me- if memory serves. So he's under contract for three years. It's actually, like you said, it could you only are locked into one. But the next three years, you get him at, I think, around $18.3 million per year if you add in uh, all the stuff there, which is, again... That's that's fine. Like, yeah, you'll pay that for Jalen Ramsey, and it's fine. Yeah. Now, if he has something in mind where he says, no, I want more guaranteed, or I want a bump, or whatever, then that is something you potentially have to uh, deal with, it which is, we don't know right now. It, if he knows that, like, the next season, he's either getting cut or restructured because so much of his money is base salary, right? Then it means Ramsey might be able to hit free agency at the end of next season, depending on, like, how he performs, how the team does what they want to do with him. I think that could appeal to Jalen Ramsey greatly. Ramsey just just doing the Vaughn Miller thing, just being like, yeah, like who who wants to win a Super Bowl? Who wants to give me a lot of money and we go win a yeah. Super Bowl there? Like, I think Ramsey would have a good time with that. That's true. Maybe maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't want more money. Maybe he says, let's just void the last uh, two years. I mean, there there are a number of different things. We we don't know exactly what he wants, but certainly something to keep in mind. All right. So my take was this, Ben. And I, maybe I'll, I'll have you guess a little bit here. Jalen Ramsey will be traded to one of the following four teams. You named two of them, but the other two you did not mention. So the two you mentioned are the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions and, and the Cincinnati C- Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm going to give you my mm. take on what I think about those, and you can think about who you think my other two teams would be. Uh, I'm with you on the Lions. I mean, it would just first of all, cornerback is a question. Their GM Brad Holmes knows Jalen Ramsey from Los Angeles. I love it from a culture competitiveness uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. I think the force multiplier thing could be an effect there. They've got young corners on the roster. Does he help everybody there? Uh, and listen, they could. I, I don't know what the ceiling is of the 2023 Detroit Lions. I mean, they were one of the better teams in the NFC by the time we got to the end of last season. They're bringing Ben Johnson, their offensive play caller, back. They they have really have the ability to field a top 10 offense. And now you had Jalen Ramsey to that defense and some of the younger players develop in a wide open NFC. That could be a really interesting team in 2023. So I like that one a lot that you mentioned and then the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals honestly might be my favorite one. I mean, ready to win now. Go get Jalen Ramsey. You're facing Josh yeah. Allen and Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. The Bengals had three defensive backs play at least 800 snaps last year. All three are free free agents. Now, one corner, Eli Apple, two safeties, Jesse Bates and Von Bell. So they're in this weird spot where yeah, they could just say, all right, Chidobe Abouzier is going to be back healthy. You've got Cam Taylor Britt. You're okay at quarterback. Or they could kind of swing for the fences a little bit and say, man, if we have an opportunity to add a player mm-hmm. who's that good uh, to this team that's already a super caliber team, we've got to do it. So I like both of those. Now, 
you've had some time to think about it. I see you typing a little bit there. A nice hotel room, by the way. I mean, looks uh, looks outstanding. I was really happy yeah. with it. Yeah, I felt classy. Yeah, yeah, looks nice. All right. So have you thought about who the other two teams might be? This is kind of getting in my head. This is fun. How well do you know me after, you know, a nice season together? How are you able to guess what Shield might be thinking? Maybe this can be a bit for the show going for guess. Get inside Shield's head. That could be a little scary, but we'll you know, keep it to football-related topics. <laughs> He's looking at his monitor. He's I have my thinking. guess. I have my okay, guess. Okay, what do you got? I, don't know. I was building got? drama and cut me off. Yeah, that was good. I think you're going to have the Eagles down as one. Uh, I do not. They were in my just missed category. I do know that they were very interested the first time around. So I think they don't have as much flexibility. They have a needed corner. It wouldn't shock me, but uh, they were in my just out, just missed category. And then the other team that now that I'm looking at them, I wish I had them. So I think they make a lot of sense is the Raiders. I think the Raiders is a really good team for Ramsey. No, I don't. I don't have the Raiders. Oh, for so two. let me let me give you. I was you, confident uh, after the Lions Bengals. I was feeling great. All right, who do you got? How about this? This one, I can. You know, sometimes you can just see the player in the helmet. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers making a move? Oh, I thought you were going to go Dallas Cowboys. I went for the exact no. polar opposite of Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> no, Pittsburgh. I mean, they made the move for Minka Fitzpatrick a few years ago. Has worked out well for them. Mm-hmm, now, yeah, mm-hmm. Jalen Ram. Corner is a need for them. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey. Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt. I mean, that is a nice foundation for defense. That could be really good. I think he'd fit the culture there. I think Tomlin would have a lot of fun lining him up against George Pickens in a lot of practices. Uh, so I thought the Steelers may be a sleeperish option for Jalen Ramsey. What do you think? I, I think he'd be good for them. I'd be surprised if they do it. I just feel like they got so much work to do at other positions. I mean, but also, the corner wasn't great for them. I can see it. Mike Tomlin working with Jalen Ramsey, doing the Mike Tomlin thing. Yeah, I've got my head around it. I like it. Yeah, that'd be. Fun. And then my last one, I don't love this one, but I can kind of see it. Is the Kansas City Chiefs? Now, it's not a neat area for them. They've got a lot of young cornerbacks. They were playing literally three rookie cornerbacks in the playoffs, so they could look at this and say, now we like him, but we don't need to do that. At the same time, you're just in that mode of always trying to add the best players possible on short-term deals and trying to win Super Bowls that year. So add, you know, you just look at their roster on paper, their defensive roster, and there's not a lot of guys who you're like, wow, they've got blue chip players. So it's an opportunity to add a blue chip player where you're a team that's not going to be drafting high, obviously, Anytime soon, maybe you give up your first round pick and something else and add Jalen Ramsey to that defense, knowing, hey, we want to win more Super Bowls. We have to deal with Jamar Chase. We have to deal with Stephon Diggs. We've got to deal with some of these other offenses in the AFC. Let's go out. It'll give Steve Spagnola some flexibility to do more things uh, in terms of a game planning uh, type, type setting with Jalen Ramsey at cornerback. What do you think about the Chiefs for Jalen Ramsey? So I saw the Chiefs when I was like, I was like doing Ramsey research. Okay, what's this never going to be? Whatever. And then there's like lists of teams and one of them was the Chiefs. I don't get the Chiefs because to me, the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl going absurdly cheap and young at corner. If there's any lesson they're going to be learning, they'd be like, heck yeah, man. We just draft some guy in the sixth round and we throw him out there in week three and he's not good. But by week nine, he's okay. And then we just kind of chill and we just press him a lot and we blitz and we're hanging out. It's all good. Like, I think the... Like if there's a lesson they've learned in terms of roster management and defensively in that building, it would be like, all right, 
We can we can build young corners here. Like we we have a defense that can protect these guys. To learn that and then to swing around and trade for Jalen Ramsey to me would be surprising. I, it would be understandable. It's Jalen Ramsey, and other teams have tried to do the really young corner thing before, and like yeah. you have a peak season, and then it kind of you know house of cards falls down. So I'd I'd get it. I just would be surprised. Usually you see teams when they have like the young talent like in Jalen Watson, in Josh Williams, in Trent McDuffie that the the Chiefs have. You you typically see them say, all right. This is a great opportunity for us to stay cheap at this position for a couple of years and spend the money elsewhere. So I'd be surprised if they move for Ramsey. That's probably true. Yeah, they're probably more likely if they were like an edge rusher of Jalen Ramsey's caliber. I could see them taking a big swing there. It's probably less likely at cornerback. But again, as you started the segment off with, pretty much any team should be interested in Jalen Ramsey. He's a blue chip corner, top five corner in the NFL, still should have, you know, two to three years of high quality play left in him at a minimum. And then who knows what he does the rest of his career. So yeah, that's one where it just feels like the trade's coming. We just don't know what the trade's going to be, who the team's going to be, what the terms are going to be. But that trade feels very likely to happen this offseason. All right, hit us with your third take, Benjamin. What do you got? If the Buccaneers make me watch Kyle Trask next season, I get to relegate them out of the NFL. <laughs> Third year quarterback? Second year? Third year quarterback, I think. Kyle Trask, right? Kellen Mond. No, second year quarterback. Second year quarterback, Kyle Trask. No, he was in the last clear. This would be third year quarterback, Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, who, like, it's always important to start from the beginning with Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, who was a backup quarterback at his high school was not the starter in high school, and then got the Florida job because they were like a weird transition point with all their quarterbacks, had like a kind of good season in a historically Why very on successful... Why on I have to interrupt you. Why on earth do you know he was a bad... Is this just in your draft research and reading the draft guides or putting together... You're just reading what he was in and you still remember that he was a backup quarterback in high school? Chill, 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 chill. What's wrong with you? See that what, young what's wrong with it? You just what's have, you just have information in your head. No, 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 You have room no. for that. You think I, at my age, you don't have room in your head for stuff like Kyle Trask was a backup quarterback in high school. What's the most ludicrous stat <laughs> in the NFL that you can think of? Like, what's the most amazing performance you can remember? Like, I have no idea. I can't even think of one right now. Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls, right? Crazy. <laughs> or eight or however many it is. I can't it's remember. okay, yeah. Right. That... <laughs> is less impressive than the fact that a guy who couldn't beat out Derek King in high school convinced the NFL to draft him with the first pick of the, or the last pick of the second round. That's insane. Like, when uh, you go through all these draft profiles for all these, these, these young men right now, 2023 draft, it's like, he was a four-sport athlete who was all-state in basketball and set a record in shot put and set a record in long jump, triple jump. And he was a career a national qualifying alpine skier because these guys are the best of the best. They can walk into any sport and dominate. And Kyle Trask was the backup quarterback at his own high school. And then one good season in Florida in the COVID year. And the NFL, like, Bruce Harris was like, yeah, he's tall. And they drafted him with the 64th overall pick. It's the greatest. It's it's the it's unbelievable oh that 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 happened. Now, all right, sorry, I sidetracked you. That's who, but that's who Kyle Trask is. Which, like, I'm sorry to members of the Trask family if they may be listening. Uh, and 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 like, I'm sorry if Kyle's listening. But just 
Trask was not at Florida a serious NFL draft prospect. He was drafted by the Buccaneers in the second round. He has not been a serious <laughs> NFL draft prospect in this time. It is, by the way, I checked. This will be his third season upcoming because I, like, Kyle Trask is bending my understanding of space and time. We're still on that. All right. Bruce Arians uh, and Jeff Darlington reported this week for ESPN that the, the Bucs feel comfortable moving forward with Kyle Trask as their starting quarterback, Bruce Arians. He went on the Rich Eisen show, said we're in good hands with Kyle Trask. He made references like, you got to see what's behind door number two, and we're going to talk about other things. But the Bucs are presenting this idea that like they're comfortable moving forward with Trask as their starting quarterback now in this post-Brady era. This is this is like ludicrous. There, there was, I, I saw a quote going around that was like, we think he might be the best quarterback in the NFC South. It's insane. Uh, it is such a waste of this roster, which has 2,000-yard receivers and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin which has a, a strong offensive line across the board, right? Assuming you get Ryan Jensen back healthy, and okay, they're going to cut Donovan Smith, whatever. But as a strong offensive line across the board, it is such, like, if we thought the play calling with Tom Brady this year was a waste of this Bucks roster, wait until you see when Kyle Trask is dirting throws to Mike Evans on third and six. Like, no team more clearly should just be like, all right, let's get a solid veteran quarterback in here. Let's try to stay healthy. Let's let's try to resign some guys on defense. Let's restructure Vita Vale. Let's restructure Carlton Davis, and let's push this thing for a couple more years. Like when they when they like did the whole Bruce Arians senior advisor Todd Bowles becomes the head coach thing. I thought it was like yeah, like because we're gonna try to make this post Brady era last for as long as possible and try to stay competitive. Kyle Trask is like an enormous white flag. You can say whatever you want. Like that, it's it's insane that this is being floated as a legitimate idea. It's crazy. I have no idea what the NFC South is up to. This entire division confounds me. The Panthers are going to win it next year. I'm gonna lose my mind, but. Buccaneers, I, I, I'm calling BS. I, I'm saying there is no chance they believe this with their chest. They're trying to hide veteran quarterback inclinations. They're going to go get Jimmy. They're going to trade for Jacoby Brissett. I don't know. They're going to do something. But the idea that they're like, yeah, if we have to go forward with Kyle Trask number one, we're going to go forward with Kyle Trask number one. To me, that's, that, is, that does not pass the smell test. I don't buy it. Uh, for newer listeners, you may not know, that Ben Solak is uh, anti-jeans. He finds them to be a hard, uncomfortable pant that he does not have yes. in his closet at all. Benjamin Solak, are you so confident that you would agree if Kyle Trask is the week one starter for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the next time you and I meet in person after that, you will be wearing jeans, maybe a style of my choice or a style of your choice. I won't make it hard for you. You can I pick wear, out the jeans. I would you be willing to do it? I won't wear so much jean. I'll wear as much <laughs> jean as you would like. Whatever well, the totality of jean that can be yeah. worn, I will wear those okay. jeans. There's no way they're doing this. You will wrap yourself in denim. I want a denim button down. I want a jean jacket and I want jeans. Done. It Done. Done. All right. If Kyle Trask is the week one starter. Uh, now I have something to root for this offseason. Uh, Bucks, I see a lot of potential in Kyle Trask. That tail, he overcame backup status as a high school quarterback, worked his way into the NFL. He didn't That's overcome it. Work he ethic. was always the backup. Uh, 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 don't make me mute your line. Uh, he, the work ethic, the perseverance that he showed, I think the guy deserves a chance. Actually, I'm with you. I think there are credible reporters saying this. I do not buy it for a second. I do not think you're going to be wrapping yourself in denim, much to my uh, disappointment. I do not think Kyle Trask is going to be, be the week one starter. Here's the thing about the Bucs. Like, I think the Bucs are sort of being talked about incorrectly. 
this offseason, like the Bucks don't have a bunch of scrubs. The Bucks had a bunch of injuries last year. The Bucks have a lot of They're good players good who are like under 30 years old. They have a lot of good players under 30 years old. Where, like you said, if right. they just said, "All right, we're gonna wait and see who's the cheapest quarterback we can find, someone who might not sign until May," we're gonna bring that guy in. Like they could potentially mm-hmm. win the division with that guy, and that's what I expect right. them to do. I don't think they're gonna and, sit and around and just be like, "Let's rebuild." Yeah, I forgot one of my crucial points because I got really fired up by Kyle Trask, which is your fault. Uh, <laughs> Dave Canales, who they hired to be their, their offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach from Seattle. Man, I mean, like, with what they got done with Russ in the late stages of Russ's career, I think now that Russ is in, in Denver and we kind of see, you know, we have more information about Russ, and then what they got done with Geno. Like, I think when you hire Canales, you, you're, it's a pretty clear sign to the middle tier of quarterbacks in, in the NFL, of which Kyle Trask is not a member. He's below that. You say, hey, like, Jimmy, like, we can plug and chug this thing. You know what I'm saying? I brought up, like, Jacoby Brissett just as, like, the first name pops to mind. Like, oh, like, the Titans might move on from Ryan Tannehill, right? You've seen, like, some of those, like, oh, contract restructure, whatever. Tannehill, let's do it, baby. Like, like, like the, Canales, I think, is a guy who deserves a lot of confidence for his ability to build an offense around a quarterback and just, like, okay, we got Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And we got... This loaded defense. If they can't bring Jamel Dean back, it's a little bit tricky. But like, with 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 their linebackers, get Levante back in the building. I think that contract's going to get done. They have a solid pass rush. That, like you said, they were banged up all the year long defensive front and cornerback. Like, there's no reason the Bucks can't be a ten win team again next year. Which like, okay, wow, ten win team. Listen, that's going to win the South. Maybe I still got to see what the Panthers do. It's a weird division. There's no reason to be waving this white flag of Kyle Trask, and that's why I don't think they do. Yeah, I mean, you, ten. I'm with you. Ten wins. Like, all right, who cares? Ten. Go look at the go to the Bucks Pro Football Reference page and look at like their previous like twelve years before they got Tom Brady. There are no tens in that win column during that stretch, and so like it's not always just a hey, Super Bowl or bust or Super Bowl or tank. Sometimes you are a team that's kind of like, all right, we'll figure it out for this year. We won't make any stupid long term investments, uh, and we'll go forward. So yeah, I think they're going to sign end up signing. We're adding a veteran quarterback at some point, and that player is going to be the starter in week one. But I'm very excited about the denim bet that we just made. Listeners, let's be sure to track that this entire offseason. If we need to start any campaigns urging the, the Bucks to go with Kyle Trice, let me know. I'm happy to spearhead The those. veteran quarterback injury on August 23rd in Bucks camp <laughs> is going to just, it's going to kill me, man. It's just going to hit me right in the heart. We don't root for injuries, but maybe just like, yeah, a weird like toenail thing or something where the guy just can't play in week one and then he comes back. Something like that, not harmful, not a lot of pain, but just a little discomfort. Maybe we'll root for that a little bit. All right, my final take is a very simple mm-hmm. one. Daniel Jones is going to play 2023 under the franchise tag for the New York Giants. Yeah. I feel like I feel like there's been a lot of, I, I was going to say ink spilled, but that's not really a thing anymore. Do we have like a replacement for that? He's depressed. Letters typed, keys depressed, yeah, something like that on what the Giants are going to do with franchise with, with the franchise tag. And this one, to me, like unlike the Fields thing, is very simple. That they're going to franchise tag him for thirty two million dollars, and he's going to play on the franchise tag in twenty twenty three. And then they're going to figure out what to do 
after that. And I think that's a move that makes sense for the Giants. Listen, they had a, a top 10. They had they were ninth in offensive DVOA last year with Daniel mm-hmm. Jones and not a lot around him. And so uh, I think it's reasonable to say, hey, let's get another look at it. We'll add some more uh, pieces around him and we'll see if there is another step to be taken if there's a higher ceiling for Daniel Jones. Essentially, you're, you're kicking the can down the road uh, to make a long-term quarterback decision next offseason. I mean, really, they should be taking a page out of like Howie Roseman's book, like if they can trade their number one pick, their, their first round pick this year and try to get more draft capital to make a big decision next year, I think that would be smart for the New York Giants. So you can't just look at the numbers with Jones. You have to look at like, what did they ask him to do? You know, they really put him in position to not make a lot of mistakes. I think he had the lowest depth of target of any quarterback in the NFL at 6.3 yards. Again, part of that had to do with the wide receivers and with the offensive line, but he really was a different version than the guy we saw the first three years who was really willing to kind of like let it rip and throw into tight windows like they didn't ask that from him uh this season although later in the season they asked it a little bit more they used his legs we know they weaponized his legs he had a career high in rushing yards and so i think it's reasonable to see hold on another year see what he looks like and then make a decision like this talk about signing him to you know whatever the numbers are i don't know why the giants would be willing to make that kind of long-term commitment that kind of guaranteed money in daniel jones i just don't see it happening given the state of the franchise so it sounds like you agree with me i was hoping you would have a you know another take and we could make this a more lively segment but maybe it's just obvious and i'm giving uh, too much attention to what was it? The keyboard depressors? The key depressors? Yes, what did you call the, it? The depressing of keys. We're included. The, the, the click machine must be fed. I just okay. think like the, the franchise tag as an idea is a fraught one. It's a controversial one. Like I always am reminded of the weirdness of an NFL team just being able to be like, <clears throat> nope, here's your contract. Like it, 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 it's, it's something that I think is going to get a, a lot of attention in CBAs to come. With that said, there's never been a more clear good franchise ca- tag candidate than Daniel Jones. Right. Daniel Jones this is, is why like, it was created. Right. Yes. You're, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, hey, I was bad for my whole career and then suddenly I was good. <laughs> well, I don't, no one knows if I'm going to still be good or if I'm going to be bad or if I'm going to be somewhere in the middle. Also, I would like an enormous contract. Like, okay, like that's just, that's just, it's just very clear. Like, it's franchise tag territory. The Giants, it, it, it was the Brian Dable, uh, uh, Joe Shane, Giants core, right? It wasn't the previous guys. It was this current core that elected not to pick up the Daniel Jones fifth-year option. So they said at the beginning of this season, ah, we don't think so. And then they <laughs> won a playoff game. And so now you kind of have to go, okay, we got to change our plans a little bit. Would be nice to have that fifth-year option, but we don't. We had uncertainty about Daniel Jones. We made it work. We have Mike Kafka back. Let's just do this again. And when we do this again, maybe we get... Saquon back in the building? Maybe we don't. Maybe we draft some good receivers, get a young rookie in the building. Maybe we try some new stuff on offense, see if we can put more on his play as a passer. Let's, like, nobody's jobs in the entire world right now are safer than Brian Dable and Joe Shane. So you just do the franchise tag, develop some of your young guys, like Daniel Bellinger, Isaiah Hodgins. Let's see what we got. You know, defensively, Wink Martindale. Let's make sure we're good. And then next season, if, like, hey, Jones had a great second year, all right, big contract and go. Time to win some more playoff games. And if he doesn't, then you say, all right, we're back where we thought we would be. It's such a clear franchise tech situation that, you know, I think if we don't end up there, I'll be stunned. I agree. All right. Finish us off with your extra point ticket. All right. Every single year, I feel the same way as I approach the NFL combine. Uh, This is a ludicrous event. 
I, when I have to explain it to real people, I feel insane. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so all of the players are going to get drafted. They go to Indianapolis and they get put like through a ton of medical tests, not just once for 32 times, because all the teams don't think the other doctors are good enough at doing it, so you just got to do them over and over and over again. Not standardized. And they're going to go through interviews. They're like 15-minute interviews, but the whole point is to like make the players upset, so they're going to be like asked super weird questions, and they're going to put them on the chalkboard and see if they can like remember stuff from 10 minutes ago, whatever. And then eventually they're going to work out, except for the ones who don't want to, which are usually the ones who are good at working out because they don't want to lose ground by working out not as good they've all been training how to run these 40s obviously but it's mostly just like where you put your hand it's not about how fast you are it's just like can you start with the, the can you beat the timer guy like it's just a ludicrous event and that doesn't even breach into every nfl general manager and head coach standing up at their podium and going like we love russell wilson we're not going <laughs> to trade russell wilson why would we trade russell wilson and then like the next week they trade russell wilson to the denver broncos <laughs> so it's a ludicrous event i acknowledge that i accept that however the take is this. The combine's such a good time. It's so fun. It's it's it is a total dog and pony show. It's a complete circus, and we can acknowledge that while still enjoying it. We don't have to make too much of it. Oh, like did Darno Washington raise his stock by running a four six seven instead of a four seven four? Like I don't. Probably not, man. Like it's just whatever. Like don't worry about it. It's not that serious. But it's also not that empty, where it's just like, hey, we're all here for a week, and we're just like doing the dumbest stuff, and like none of this matters. It does matter. Like Trayvon Walker tested bananas, and then when the Jaguars sat down in April, and they were like, wow, we don't really like anybody here as like a star player. Who should we take? And they're like, well, there's that guy who tested like nobody else has tested before. Let's take him. Like it, it still does have impact. And so, it, it it's important not to go too far on the combine. Oh my god, the 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 Eagles met with Bijan Robinson. Yeah, man, like you just meet with everybody. It's important not to go too far the other way in the combine. Like, wow, nothing is meaningful. No, this stuff still matters. But what is most important is that, like, the NFL's dominance over the entire year is hilarious. And it's because of events like this, where they, they eke out seven days of coverage for what is just a silly, silly event. And I think we should enjoy that. We should celebrate that. We should have a great time. Like, three hours worth of, like, will Bryce Young be 5'9 or 5'10? That, to me, is hilarious. We should always, always, always appreciate that the NFL content machine has gotten this big and this rumbling of a tummy. To me, it's, it's delightful. So, NFL Combine, don't take it too seriously, but make sure you enjoy it. I feel like you had me for the first half of that. I was like, yes, rip them, take, take it to them, Ben. And then you kind of came back the other way, which is fine. It, it is a, uh, yes, the, the years I go, it is a fun time. I opted not to go uh, this year working on the, the free agency stuff. Some some family stuff is easier for me uh, to do this week at Even home. Even with but, like yeah, going I, versus not going. Like just yeah. being at home, oh, like pay, at, at your work desk, attention. it's 1 p.m. Yeah. You Having got it on minutes. in the background. Yeah, you got you have 30 minutes before yeah. the next meeting and you just hop on Twitter and it's just like <laughs> some idiot like me being like, oh my gosh, Dewan Jones wingspan 84 inches. <laughs> like that's just so dumb in a vacuum, but in context is so funny. And so to me, I just like the combat is a good time and we all have to stop like worrying about like, oh, they're going to move it out of Indy. It's good for the culture. Oh, like Sean McVay didn't come. Like who gives a hoot? Like we're all just here making up stuff and it's a good time and the, the it's some of the best athletes in the world. Like Devon Aishin might break the 40 time record, the running back out of Texas A&M. Like that's cool. Like Bryce Young might be 5'9". That's hilarious. Like this is a good time, man. <laughs>
I don't know that I'll ever love anything in my life as much as sports writers love Indianapolis. My God, when there's any talk yeah. about the combine moving out of Indy, my entire timeline is filled with all of that. I mean, my short take on the combine is that NFL people have now been with their families for like a month and that's been enough with them and they need to go somewhere and they need to stay out late and they need to drink and they need to not sleep and just, you know, kind of have football, have their football time back because the normal life is not for them. They are not well-adjusted people. So I think that's why the Combine will probably be around for a long time. So Benjamin Solak, others from the Ringer will be there uh, covering the Combine for us this week. As Ben said, there will be nonsense, pure nonsense coming out of the mouths of these coaches and GMs. So next week's Extra Point Taken is going to be a good one because we'll each probably just call out the three biggest lies we heard from these people uh, in Indianapolis and we'll predict what we think is actually going to happen so be sure to stay tuned for that stay tuned for everything on the ringer nfl feed all right benjamin so i appreciate that thank you to cliff augustine for producing additional production supervision by connor nevins and arjuna ramgopal ben enjoy the combine and we will talk to everybody next week